whole time we're, I'm up here this morning because we won't be straying from that, that specific uh, reading today. Um, today, it's, it's the screen will, will here in a moment say, where do we go from here? And it's going to say Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 7, a new way. And I wanted you to know that that where do we go from here is going to be a series, and it's going to be at least four weeks long. Um, it'll be two weeks, and then this week, next week, uh, a week off, and then two weeks, and then uh, we, then our, our congregational meeting. Uh, but it's going to be three weeks in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and then on that fourth week, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And that's all written on the back of, if you got your insert, if, if it's not cut off, if it's not messed up, that was the intention. Uh, that information is on there, and it's kind of the lineup of, of where we'll be on the second page on the bottom. And so th this idea of where do we go from here, you know that kind of started last week because our, our message, that was a wrap last week. Uh, that was the idea of putting things behind us and moving forward. And, and so the, this idea of where do we go from here really started last week. And now it'll take a, uh, now it'll begin in earnest. Um, where do we go from here? Well, I, I think in God's economy, it's always a new way. God is calling us forward, just exactly like that hymn that Doc just sang. Um, Jesus is calling. That's a fact. Eventually, we're going to be home. And for believers uh, who have repented at the cross, that is a fact. But in the meantime. There's work for us to do, and there's desires in our life that God has ordained just for us, specifically, in our lives. And so I wonder what you think of when a preacher stands up in front of the congregation, and he says, we're going to start a new thing, a new way. Well, we got a slide that I think that maybe some of you might be uh, understanding of. The pastor wants us to smile in church. You know how I hate to try new things. Any of you all in on that? Some of you are. Some of you come in here this morning like, oh, you stole my, I stole your lunch money or something. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Just joking, just joking. But yeah, so that is kind of the way. And, and it's, human, it's a human tendency, though, you know? Not a bad, I mean, it's good to start out with a joke or, or lighthearted. Uh, but it's a human tendency for us to get settled and, and like things the way they are. We don't really want anything to, to rock our boat. It's easier that way. And, and then we don't have to do kind of replanning. That, you know, when, when Angie and I are trying to think that we've got everything, all of our ducks in order, then we both get a cold during the week. And then everything's thrown in chaos. We don't like that. Angie and I are big planners, and, and, and we like everything on a, in our schedule and all that kind of stuff. And so we don't like change. We hate change, don't we, baby? We just, we just don't like it. Uh, if you want to change something, give us about a six-month advance notice. We'll write it in our planner, and, and we'll pray about that. That's how we kind of operate. And, and so I, I, I really relate to folks not wanting to change um, because it's part of who we are. We resist change. We almost refuse to accept new input into our lives because business as usual is easier. Um, there's a great writer, C.S. Lewis. I don't know if you've, if you've, have you ever heard of, the, of him, C.S. Lewis? And uh, how about a book that he wrote in 1942 called The Screwtape Letters? It's, uh, it's this great allegory. Of, uh, it's about a, uh, um, uh, one of Satan's minions and one of his, his boss. They're having this conversation back and forth on how it works out best. How best can they work against us to hear the word of the Lord? 
How can they keep us in the dark? How can they, even if we get saved, how can they ruin our testimony? And so it's just great information and goes back and forth. And it's an awesome classic because there's so much truth in it. Because it, we all read it and we go, man, that's me. Well, it's not us alone because we're losers. It's because it's human tendencies, human nature. We all are similar. And so he, write, he has this sentence in that, in that screw tape letters. To think about this, he, this is the screw tape talking to his, his protege. And he says, you know, it's funny how mortals always picture us as putting things in their minds. We do that, don't we? We always think that Satan, or his minions are talking in our ear saying, don't do this, do this, do that. He says, it's funny how mortals always picture us putting things into their minds. But in reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. Think about that for a moment. Satan's best work in our lives is, is perhaps going where our tendencies are, lie, and I don't want to hear nothing new. So we don't accept the new information that God is trying to continuously pump into our lives. Amen? Last week, so then, so we began this series with, that's a wrap. We had this great focus scripture that I, I, I still just was like, my gosh, I love this thing. And maybe this is the way we should start or I should start every single one of my mornings. Forget the former things. Even when I walked in here today, I go back. I thought I had all my ducks in order. I, had the, I printed out the bulletin inserts, and you're hearing it again. It's like, my, how many times do we have to beat this horse? Well, I'm feeling bad, okay? Cut those things, and I mess them all up. Forget those former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing, God says. And this applies to us all the way through our walk until God takes us home. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? Don't you get it? I'm making a new way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. A beautiful thing. So all this just to ask, are, are you willing? Am I willing? To not be so human and, in fact, accept the possibilities of a new way in my life, whatever that might be. In my marriage, whatever that might be. In my family, in my church family, in my walk, in my job, all the things. Are we willing just to sit down and listen to God's word because he's always talking to us? Where is it that God might want us to go in our lives? And where is it that he wants us to start this morning? We'll just keep it right here, Angie. I don't have another slide, but I'm going to read this passage for you. And I'm going to read all 11 verses this morning, and, but we're only going to cover seven today. And so here's what it is. You know this, I'm sure, you've heard this story. And when Jesus, in Luke chapter 5, he's calling his first disciples. What a story it might be. You know, as I read this, just picture it, you know, they're all there by the seashore. The, the, the sky is blue. These people have been doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, time and time and time again. And this fellow walks up. And the story begins. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen. They were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. That would be Simon Peter, Peter the Rock. And asked him to put out a little from the shore. 
Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night long and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish and their nets, that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help, and they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. They said to Jesus, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so they pulled their boats up to the shore. They left everything. And they followed him. A new way. Let's pray. God in heaven, I, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to be with this good church family. And God, we are so thankful for your word. Let it be now, God, that uh, it's not something, something uh, devised by any man or, or, or words that I put out there that are, are meant for um, anything other than bringing you glory. So Lord, be with us now. Open our passages of our Bible, of course, but open our spiritual heart as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So on that day, it's, it's, it's a, picture the story, our, our first slide, the master's example. And where else should we start in our lives than to look at the Savior of the world, look at God himself? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that was the fellow who walked up on that clear blue sky that morning and sat down in that boat and began to teach. The master... Where else should we start as God's people but sitting there, all of us as well, listening intently to what he had to say? He came and he sat down and he started preaching and teaching. Just a little backdrop of, of what's surely been going on in the, in the fisherman's mind that day. Uh, Peter and John, and James, the sons of Zebedee, all these people that were there that got named just in those first 11 verses, they would have been good Jewish men. They wouldn't have been bad people whatsoever. In fact, I'm sure that they were exactly as what was the norm of that time and, and, and for the people of their status. They were fishermen, which means that their education they may have had some, but it wouldn't have been extensive at all. They would have they they take the boys that are the brightest and the sh sharpest, and they would have sent them to be uh, under sitting under the the Pharisees and being taught intently. And everybody else would go fishing and being carpenters and all those other kind of things. And so they would have been Jewish men who had some teaching, but they would have just been one of the crowd. So their understanding of church would have been going on the day that the synagogue would have been organized or, or that they're called. They would have went in and they would have done their prayers and they would have done all the things that their religion um, required of them. And then they would have got up and they would have left the building and they would have went to work and they would have started fishing and, they would have, and the two would never be crossed. 
Their lives were good people who did all the things that they were supposed to do, that all was the normal things they were supposed to do. And the problem might have been then that they were confusing having a religion as opposed to having a Lord. What do you think about that? Are you like me? And sometimes you confuse coming here on a Sunday morning with my religion and forget the 167 hours outside of this building that I have a Lord to follow and to hear. 24 7. 165, 168 hours a week, 365 days a year. So how odd it must have been then when they were used to only hearing the word of God basically um, when they went to temple, when they went to synagogue, when they did those kind of things. And here was this guy come and he sits down in the midst of the work day and he starts teaching the people. Is that outside of the box or what? Jesus does this thing, and his master, the master's example then. What I think is so awesome about this is that he knew what they were thinking. He knew how astonished the fishermen must have been, and all the people in the crowd to have this happening right here on the seashore. And so what Jesus does, as the master can only do then, he tells them to put out into the deep. Why? Because he has given them a physical sermonette right then and there. He's given them an illustration that might sink into their minds and say, it isn't just on one day. It's all of the time. And it never stops when we are seeking and trying to please the Lord. And he gives them this hands-on sermon. And so the next slide says that he takes them out and he challenges them in the old way versus the new way. Verse number four and five says this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. Peter's almost arguing with God, isn't he? It's like, no, I know how to do this stuff. Peter was a, a master fisherman. He'd done it his entire life. There would have been nothing that you could have come up and taught Peter at this point about how to fish. Can you imagine then? So this carpenter, as he would know him probably, comes up, sits in his boat, and he starts telling him, let's go out again and throw into the deep. And Peter would have been like, hey, excuse me? Mister, I think I know how things should run around here, and I wonder <laughs> if your mind's running with me. How many times do we do that? I know how to run a Bible study, and it's going to look just like this. I, I know what church is supposed to look like, and it's going to look just like this. Don't, don't tell me to change things up, because I've been doing this a long time, and when we do this, we're stuck in the old and we are leaving absolutely no margin for the new. And if God is saying, don't you perceive this? Don't you understand? I'm making a new way. 
we're shutting that down completely. You, you can't blame Peter, really, though, right? Because isn't that human nature? Don't we all really fall into that trap of saying, I've got this perfected. One time Angie and I took this really awesome vacation and, and it's, it's Door County in, in Wisconsin. And what Door County is, it's, it's a peninsula that, that juts up out, out of really Green Bay, the city itself, to the east. And on, on to the west is, is Green Bay, the bay. And, and on, the, on the east is Lake Michigan. It's just beautiful. But what they did there to make it a great vacation spot is that it was, as you might guess, these were originally all fishing villages around it. And so you go like eight miles and there's a new town, a little beautiful little village. They've got their boats out there. And still there's a lot of people that make their living fishing. So every single town that you come into, somebody's throwing a fish boil. Have you ever had one of those? They're awesome. They, they got this big old cauldron out in the middle of the yard, basically. And, and they've got firewood wood burning underneath it. And they, they boil white fish. And they said, this fish was swimming in the bay 24 hours ago. It's my kind of vacation. So we stopped every town, and I ate at every town. And so it was quite a vacation. I put on like 40, 45 pounds, something like that. But it was all worth it. But this is, so one time we went to this one, and this guy was given a, a technical demonstration on how to do this. And so he, he said he'd been doing this for 35 years. And, and so he said that the timing and the temperature is critical. And so you have to do everything according to a strict uh, time frame, uh, seconds even. And you have to know the temperature within a couple degrees. Otherwise, you mess up the fish, you get it too, uh, too soft, or you, you don't get the potatoes boiled, or the corn doesn't work. But everything had to be specific. And so he was telling us about all these time frames, and he goes, okay, so here we go. And he starts it, and what I noticed was he didn't look at his watch one single time. And he didn't take the temperature one single time. And yet when he was done, it was absolutely perfect. And so I asked him about that, and he says, well, I've been doing this all my life. I know the temperature, and I know the time. And I, that story, I'm telling that only because it's like that is who we are. I've been doing this all my life. I know how to do these things, Lord. And so I don't want to change. In fact, I'm putting up a block that I will not change. Jesus is asking us to think differently. Because even if, if, because if we stay in this idea that Jesus has given a hands-on sermon illustration this morning, are, are, are we like that guy cooking whitefish? Or, or are we more like Peter on how he ends this up? You know, Peter gets a bad rap a lot of times, doesn't he? About not being... Um, uh, really kind of it's hard telling what he might do but I think Peter maybe where he has it above the rest of us is that he was willing to take chances he was willing to hear if God had a new game plan he'd been a Jewish man all of his life he'd been a master fisherman all of his life we're told that he would in this group of apostles that Jesus called he would have been one of the senior members even and so he was probably the leader even before Jesus said he was going to be a leader. But on this day, there was something about this man who sat in his boat and said, today 
is a new day. And this is the day we're going to do something a little different, Peter. And Peter's reply was what? Well, I've given everything I could. But Lord, if you say, if you say, then let's do it. And they put out into the deep. Is this the day that you're ready to put out into the deep? What in your life needs to be put away the old ways? And how can you hear the Lord's voice today saying, this is the day. No more business as usual. Let's put out into the deep. Our next slide is beautiful, isn't it? When they did this. Isn't that awesome? When they did it, what happened? When they listened to God, when they were willing to think outside of the norm, when they believed that he, what had he told them to be true, when they took their faith out just a little bit deeper than it had ever been before, even though they had given it their best effort, they're saying maybe that wasn't it, and maybe my effort isn't what matters, but what God is asking of me, that is what is not only matters, but that is what is required. When they did this, they caught so much that they were almost sinking their boats. I mentioned that verse earlier from Micah. Excuse me, not Micah. Um, Malachi, chapter 3. I think it's verse 10. See, God himself says, test me in these things. Believe me. Trust me. Go out a little deeper in your life and see what happens. And it finishes up on that passage. And see if I don't flood your storehouses. This isn't an idea of a prosperity gospel. Please don't misunderstand me. What this is, is that God is inviting us, people like me and you, into his work, into his good work, his promises, that if you'll just trust him and you take the step forward in your life, in your ministry, in your marriages, with your kids, what your job, whatever it is, Somewhere in that, God is going to be glorified and his name will be manifold. And people standing around you will be going, what in the world is happening? Not because you're driving a new Cadillac, but because God is going to show up in a powerful way. And so I have to ask you, have you ever been in a position in your life, and just think about it, where you had no option but to trust in God? I know that many of you have. When you get to a point when you have no option but to trust in God, I guarantee you that you are going to be amazed at how things turn out. Have you ever put yourself willingly in a position where you know it's past your um, skill level or past your the wildest dreams of what you might do for the work of the Lord, like teach a Bible study? Do you know, I, 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 wasn't, I, I shouldn't say things when I'm not feeling very well because we don't know exactly how it's going to come out. I went to a parochial school when I was growing up. Do you know there was two classes that I, well, we, so we, took, we had to take theology classes and all those kind of things. And so do you know that there was two classes that I got to be about a junior 
And they pulled me in the office and they said, listen here, man, you gotta really start bucking up on these two classes because you ain't gonna make it in a year and a half unless you get serious. What do you think those two classes were? Speech and theology. Is God amazing or what? Right? Speech and theology, and then someday I'm going to be standing up here. Let me tell you, I was thinking outside of the box. Because there's no way I would have ever dreamed that God would be using me to do this. Have you ever been in a place where you said, God, take me out a little deeper? And then you stood around, and your jaw was basically on your chest. Because it was so amazing that this certainly couldn't be your work, but his. The next slide says something really remarkable. The church. Are you looking at your scripture still? Where do you think I'm coming up with that? The church. God did such an amazing thing in the fishermen's lives that day that they had to start calling all their buddies to say, come on and help. Our storehouses are so full that our boats are sinking Come and help because God is doing a powerful thing right here on the beach. Can you imagine that? What it would be like in Miller Christian Church? If everybody that's here this morning, 40 to 50 people, said on this day, God, take me to the deep. And what might happen on that day? Ange did this slide for a purpose. This is, this is something that we heard a long time ago. This, and I mentioned this last week, I think. If you, if you start yourself on fire, then people are going to come from miles away to see what's burning. Amen? I can't imagine what everybody in that beach would have been thinking that day. It's like, Peter, the greatest fisherman I know, had a carpenter tell him to do something, and he did it. And the next thing you know, I've never, ever, ever seen a net so full as that day. Are you ready to go to the deep, folks? God is saying to you today, take it out a little deeper and throw in your nets again. Go to a place you've never been before and tell them about the Lord Jesus. There's an application I want to I want to just kind of quickly go through, and it's on your bulletin insert, if you have that. I hope you all grab one, and maybe this is a way that we can go a little deeper this week. And funny thing it is on your bulletin insert, it's called going deeper this week. Isn't that amazing? Going deeper this week, and it says, "What is your present ministry?" For some of us. I think that we can say it right off the bat. Here's my ministry. Here's what's going on. For others, maybe that's something that's like, nah, I haven't got a ministry because I, I'm too busy or I don't have the skill level or I'm just not interested or, or I mean, really the, what you would be saying is I want to stay in the old ways. I'm not saying that to be rude. I'm not just saying it to be judgmental. But what I do know for sure is that there is not a spirit-driven person alive that God hasn't already designed a ministry for. What is your present ministry? Do you have one? Or have you yet to get in the boat? 
Are you resisting the master's example? Are you keeping him at arm's length? Have you confused religion by coming to church on a Sunday with having the Lord and walking with him and being led by him 24-7, 368 hours a week, 365 days a year? Because that's the Lord that wants to sit in your boat this morning. Nothing short of that. And he's saying, keep on going. And I'm going, I don't know. But the faith says, trust me. Number two, can you prayerfully consider where in your life you may have become settled to live out your faith in a business-as-usual fashion? Because it's human nature. For everybody that's here today, there's something here, in our, something in me that said, uh, it's so much easier just to stay in my little niche. I don't want to step out anymore. There's places, Lord, that you know I really, really absolutely refuse to go to and preach your name. Or, or I will not accept this assignment. Or I'm already working hard enough, God. All night long I worked hard. And now you want something different. Number three, ask God for eyes that will see the new doors of opportunity that he is opening up for you right now. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? God's work in our life is never ceasing. And the moment that we are on the eternal side of the cross, by all of his work, Forevermore, he has a purpose and a reason in our lives. And he absolutely never, ever says, hey, take your boat and go out in the deep and see what you find. Does he? No. He comes and he sits in our boat. And he said, let's roll out deeper. Never will he leave us. Never will he forsake us. Never will he leave us alone. And so the work that is ahead of you, starting right now, the new way, he's in your boat. And there's guarantees that you're never going to go down with the ship alone. We have a final passage on here that is, is, might not be completely connected, it's just such a great word. Great word. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and I think we talked about this already once, but nonetheless, he loved the church of Philippi because they were such, they were all in. Every time he talked about them, he just got happy. He, he wrote about them. He's just like, ah, those people, those people are just awesome over there. They're always in the boat. They're always moving forward. They've always got a game plan. And so he's writing them this letter that says, keep on being uh, believing. Keep on rejoicing in the Lord. 17 different times in that book, he's talking about rejoice. God is with us. And he says to these things, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. We're all in this together. Being confident of this. Why? That he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Until that day, Doc, 
And Jesus says, come home. He's in our boat, man. And he's saying, let's go a little deeper. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this group of believers. <laughs> Lord, we're, we are in this boat together. We have these human tendencies that, that are, are just prevalent in our lives. But you're calling us to step past those. No longer are you saying that we are to be operated under a human or even a, a, or a physical way, but in fact we are spirit-led believers, God, so take us deep. Change our lives. Give us the courage. Give us the strength. Give us the opportunities, God. And then teach us when we sit there. Lord, we love you and we ask you for your uh, fellowship on this moment forward in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.